Welcome to the Central Peninsula Church Podcast, a podcast all about real life together. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the CPC Podcast. This is Brandon Passion, and I'm here with Kevin Sneed again. And some of you guys might not know, but every week we do a kind of a debrief of what happens in the service. That includes everything from the worship to our host segment to um, the sermon, even. And every now and then, as we're talking about the sermon, um, certain topics will land, uh, and they'll land in such a, I think, I think it's a good way um, that we sort of want to take some time to look into it a little bit deeper. And so that's what we're going to do today. And if you remember from last week, Kevin, he kind of landed on this idea of lament, and uh, how important it is and what, what a crucial role that serves in our faith. And it's actually, as we're going to talk about today, a very important season. And it's interesting to think about. I don't really think about this very often, Kevin, but, um, but we were talking about this and you said there are seasons of our faith, right? Like it's not all one bright, shiny, happy, glorious. You know, yeah, sometimes yeah. church can be this, it can have this veneer um, mm. On it, where you come to church and it's like, let's come to church and, you know, we sing like songs that are not bad, like there's joy in the house of the Lord. But if you're not in that season, sometimes when you come in and that's all the church has to offer, yeah. that can be a little bit um, disingenuous, right? Yeah, that's a good word for it because I think there's a sense that life isn't as flat emotionally, right? Like we all experience ebbs and flows, highs and lows. Um, I think that's part of just living in a world that is broken, that is a bit shattered. And at times, I think in church, um, because we have such a great story of hope and of faith and um, of resurrection and all all of that, which, which is 100% true, uh, we tend to think we, we have to stay in that mode and stay in that joyous kind of happy um, thing. And again, that's not necessarily a wrong impulse, but but it doesn't match our lived experience. And and so it's how do we then kind of match or, or create a faith that has the depth for the whole of the human experience, right? And I think that's, you know, last week when we talked about Lent, that's part of what Lent does is it, it forces us to look into um, the shadow side of life. It slows us down to prepare for the joy. And, and certainly lament is, is one of those, uh, one of those seasons as well. Like there are moments as we are experiencing in our world with what's going on in Ukraine um, and so many other issues that that um, evokes and elicits a downside, a shadow side of life. And, and we have to break that kind of mold of, of um, you know, the addiction to the, the always up, the always joyous um, part of our faith. So at the risk of, of typing people, um, I'm going to type you and I right now. So I'm kind of like this artisty feeler type person, right? You feel it all, baby. And yeah. I, I don't know how to exactly type. You're kind of like a jock, you know, like sports dude. You like talking about football and I'm not saying you're football devoid. is actually my least favorite sport. I'm sorry. It's basketball, okay. we'll baseball is your, there love, we go. Lo, that's the love story is you and yeah. baseball. Um, not that you're devoid of emotion, but like, do you feel like there are people or personality types that are kind of, hmm. um, maybe are a little bit 
stronger or, or better at lamenting. I don't want to say, maybe it's not, I don't want to mm. make a superiority thing out of it, but yeah, like, yeah. like it feels like, um, certain people are just maybe more comfortable sitting in a lament type of space where, yeah, like if we, if we can compare you and me, maybe we'll edit this out, but like, <laughs> how do, how do you handle yeah. lament naturally? Like if you're not naturally pursuing it, are you going to sit there in those darker moments yeah. of, yeah, no, that's a good question. I think it's, I wonder if it has less to do, I, I think there is a personality bent, that those with certain personalities are bent to feel more, um, some people are more empathetic, some people are more um, just naturally joyous or whatnot, or more naturally attuned to the the underbelly of the world. Um, but I wonder if there's there's also, there's got, I would think there's a connection, particularly to lament, in those who are closer to suffering um, that they, they have an easier on-ramp to something like lament. Um, I think because again, like it's their more felt experience. And so those who maybe live a little more distant, a little more comfortable um, where the status quo seems to serve them well, I imagine it's harder um, to engage in lament. You know, that's, that's something like myself. I think I've lived a, a life where I've, I've been given um, a lot of opportunity and have lived very comfortable. Like I haven't necessarily experienced um, a lot of suffering. Certainly we've all experienced some of that loss of loved ones, all of that. We've all bumped into that. It's part of everyone's story, Um, but there are certainly, you know, gradations of that. And I would think, and this is a bit speculation, but I would think those closer to suffering have an easier on-ramp regardless of personality to lament um, because they're forced to like in some ways life kind of thrusts them into You can't ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, yeah, the more uh, the more comfortable you are, the more I mean, you kind of see parts of our culture sort of running from the idea of lament. Like yeah. even as a musician, yeah. looking at what what story a lot of our our popular music, you know, what you yeah. hear on the radio tells yeah. it doesn't it doesn't really want to go in those deeper, darker, sadder yeah. moments. But you're right, yeah. I mean, there's I think yeah. there are certain. Um, yeah. Well, I think even if you look, you know, if you spent time in any third world country or majority world country, you know, even if you look at the practices around death and memorials and, and funerals, very different where, you know, in America, we don't talk much about death. Uh, we avoid that topic a lot. Um, and in kind of majority world countries, they they have a far different practice of funeral of death of the practices that surround end of life, <clears throat> and I you know I I would I would argue it's probably because again we <clears throat> in America have the ability um, to put off death easily you know to distance ourselves from some of the suffering and the poverty that that hits the majority world and and so I think you see that reflected then where it seems like an intrusion to us whereas for those in majority world countries it's more of a, um, a lived felt experience. And so they wrestle with it regularly. Um, now again, all of us have those sorts of seasons of faith, um, where, where that's a part of all of our story at some level. It's, it's how familiar we are with them. Um, I was thinking of, um, Walter Brueggemann, who's a great old Testament scholar, the Brugs, um, the Brugs, <laughs> as, as, as I like you to call, call them. Yeah. 
It's nice that you guys are on that kind yeah. of nickname basis. That's good. <laughs> but he wrote a, a great book called The Spirituality of the Psalms. And in that, he talks about kind of three or, you know, kind of phases or seasons of faith that he categorizes the Psalms. Um, the first is the, the category of orientation. And these are the Psalms that uh, evoke joy. They orient us to God's good world, God's, you know, God as good himself. Um, so they're songs of praise. How majestic is your name, O Lord? How um, beautiful is your creation? You know, they, they evoke kind of a, um, a joy at the peace of the world and the way in which God has created goodness in the world. Um, the second phase, though, is in that orientation. That's a season of faith where we come to faith. We come to know God. Everything in our, in our life seems to be going well, and that swells up in gratitude. But there comes a point where we experience the dissonance between God's plan for the world and then our felt experience that falls short of that. And so he calls the second phase disorientation. Hmm. And it's yeah. the Psalms then, and these are really the Psalms of lament, um, the penitential Psalms, um, where there are seasons then where we recognize the world out of step with the way God would create it or wanted to you know, have it be. And so those, that, that season of disorientation is this sort of, you know, it's, can also be called the dark night of the soul, where it's like you feel God's distance, you feel him far from us, you feel him removed from us. Um, and so this becomes that kind of second phase of disorientation, which is where we find lament. And then the third season that Brueggemann would name is this, this season of new orientation. And it's now coming out of lament as we wrestle with God. God's faithfulness continues. And so when we come on the other side of the lament, on the other side of the disorientation, we are reoriented to the goodness of God, but it's, it's something different. It's grown. Um, you know, again, that's the act of maturity, right? Like any, any kind of suffering shapes us, it matures us. And we then come on the other side of that different. Um, God is the same, but yet our experience and understanding of God is then different in that sort of new orientation. Um, so that becomes the, the kind of the third phase of um, our seasons of, of faith. Yeah. I think, I think people that um, maybe shy away from lament uh, might view it as kind of um, whining. I don't know. Like, mm. I don't know if that's the right yeah. word, but... You know, there's like sort of this uh, mentality that if we're just spending all of our time, you know, saying what's wrong with the world and that we don't like it. No, God, please help me. Like there, there, I feel like that, that can feel sometimes, I don't know, unproductive or um, not helpful. And so we kind of want to stay on the, the lighter side of things. What would you say to people that say there's, you know, we're just a bunch of whiners? Yeah. Yeah, I think that is. The other piece that was coming to mind on that is, um, I think we fear that it's an expression of doubt as well. Like to lament would seem like, gosh, it must mean we don't trust God. And I think it goes into that a little bit of like, you're just whining or whatnot. And I think I would, I would just say that that to to not bring to not express our emotion, um, the fullness of, of our emotion as well as the fullness of our human experience to God. Um, is to actually then attempt to withhold God from part of our experience, mm. um, which I th- is kind of just an exercise in futility, right? Like, like God is in fact there, and He does feel that. Not only has He experienced that through the life of Jesus, um, at probably a greater magnitude than we have, um, as He takes on you know the very the whole brokenness of the world in the cross. He's experienced that at a greater depth than us. So he, he's, he's not only empathetic in the sense that he feels what we feel, 
Um, but he also is present with us. And I think that's one of the beautiful things we've seen in Daniel um, are particularly the moments with the fiery furnace in the lion's den, that it wasn't a skirting of circumstances. There was no way for them to avoid yeah. those, but rather what they found is a God in those circumstances. And so for, for, for those who struggle with lament or wanting to enter lament, um, I just suggest that there's, there's, a, there's an encounter of God in those moments um, that if we don't enter in, we miss. And, and I think it, it's in some ways a, um, we, we, we fail to recognize the sovereignty of God in all things if we don't invite God into the pain, into the dark side of life. But also it's not a passive thing. Yeah. Right. Like, um, it's, there's an action to it as you yeah. talked about before, like explain that a little bit. What do you mean? Yeah. There's a tendency to like, you know, the, the, and, and probably well-earned at times where, you know, the critique of the church is always just in light of tragedy. All you do is pray. We offer prayers. And, and what's kind of behind that claim or that critique is that prayer is passive, that it doesn't do anything. And lament is a form of prayer. Right. And I think what's missed in that though, is that in lament, um, to lament, a lament done well, is naming the brokenness in the world. And so in that act of prayer, it isn't a passive withdrawal, but it actually gives us a footing to say, no, this is calling out what's wrong and calling something broken that is broken. And and the church, I think, has a unique space for that. I talked a little bit about this um, in the sermon where, you know, because of the hope that we have, because we recognize God is someone who is, in fact, in the process of reconciling all things back to himself, as Paul would say in Colossians, um, because of that, we, we see the image of where the story is going, of where the world remade is going, that beautiful, like, full shalom, God permeating all of creation, and so because of that, we hold that image in our minds. That's the hope we're being pulled towards. And so when we see something like war, something like senseless violence, whatever it is, we can actually name that as an intrusion to where God's taking the mm, world. Yeah. And so lament actually becomes a sort of prophetic act where we say, like, this is wrong because it doesn't line up with where God is taking the world, the whole of creation. And so lament becomes then a... a uh, a way to name injustice, mm. right? To call out injustice when we see it, to lament that. It becomes a way for us to name our own culpability in brokenness of our own sin, to say, I lament the way I've broken this world and contributed to that brokenness. Um, and I lament the brokenness others are doing. And so, um, yeah, so I would say lament is, 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 I think, a very active thing. Um, now, it, it still means we do something with our body. We become the hands and feet of God. We yeah. interact and seek to also bring restoration. But to, you know, the critique of, of the, the church and prayer being passive, um, I think, is a mis- misunderstanding of prayer, and particularly a misunderstanding of lament, as a way of naming that which is broken. I remember hearing a pastor years back now that um, basically he said, like, every great movement that we know of that, you know, in, in faith, every great faith movement started with this. And he, he kind of coined this phrase, holy discontent, mm. where you get to this place where you see what God intended and yeah. you see what is. And it it there's there's something that wells up in our in our soul that says this is not right and this, yeah. this won't stand. Yeah. And from that holy discontent, like you said, it, it starts with a lament and it moves to an action ideally. Yeah. yeah. 
so we don't stay in lament forever. But it is a huge piece of it. So you you kind of talked a little bit about um, a structure, and I know that from being able to look at your um, your message and what you prepared, this is actually something that you cut out. Yeah, whether it yeah. be time or heaviness or whatever. Yeah. But actually, as we talked about it, this is super helpful. You created kind of a framework. Um, of lament so that when we encounter those things that uh, that that mm-hmm. dissonance of mm-hmm. how the world is and what God intended for the world um, we can actually sort of create not not a a, a you know dogmatic you have yeah. to do yeah. it this way but but more of this is a way that you could sort of structure your lament a little bit. Yeah. Could you talk about, you have five steps. Yeah. Yeah. Lament like, lament like grief. There's not necessarily <laughs> one way to do it, right? Like there's just a, it's a, an expression of raw emotion. It's, it's, and again, you see that all over the Psalms. Um, and so, but, but there are kind of like general generalities to lament, like big kind of headings. And so some of the, um, or the kind of the five that, that I've seen, and I, I, I took this from somewhere, I, I'm sure, and I've compiled it from a few other thinkers, but uh, the first step is just that it begins always with an intro address, right? Like it, lament is not just a yelling into the air, not just a crying out to nothingness. It's a, it's, we are, we are addressing God. Um, we are addressing Yahweh. And so lament always begins with that sort of introductory address. God, we feel the brokenness. Lord, we feel this. And so it's, I think it's important to hold that, that it's pointed towards one, um, to an individual. And then second, the second step then is a, a complaint of suffering. It's where you, you name the dissonance, you name the brokenness. God, we lament the war in Ukraine. And you name the violence, you name the fallout, you name the brokenness. We lament racism, we lament injustice, we lament whatever it is, whatever the kind of suffering, the broken relationship, the false accusation, the pain, the um, fallout of, of, you know, a loved one gone, gone wayward, whatever it is, you name the, the suffering that's being felt, whether your own firsthand or on behalf of others. Um, and then out of that, uh, I think what's so fascinating, we did this with Psalm 13 on Sunday, is there's almost always this confession of trust that even in the midst of all of that suffering, there's a, but Lord, I trust you. Mm. Um, there's a reflection of God, you have been good, you are good, and you will be good. And so there's, even in the midst of that, which is why um, it isn't an expression of doubt, it's, an ex- it's in some ways um, an act of realism to say the world's broken, but God, we trust you. Um, and so lament always has that sort of confession of trust in who God is and what he does. Um, and then the fourth step would be um, a prayer of deliverance. It's then um, seeking an intercession. God, free us from this. Lord, free us from this brokenness. Um, it could be the prayer to bring back the wayward child. Um, Lord, end the war. Stop the violence. Um, whatever it is, it's a, a direct kind of plea or deliverance or prayer for deliverance out of the suffering. And then lastly, what the Psalms do so well is they almost always end in gratitude. Um, that the fact is God does hear our prayer. He does hear our lament. And so you close then with that expression of gratitude, of saying, God, um, you are good. Thank you for being good and for hearing us in these moments as well. What's interesting about this um, is in some ways I feel like this is very natural. Mm. You know, like mm. um, yeah. you've kind of spelled it out in five you know, sort of milestones of lamenting. But I just think, um, I think of this situation that I had when I was, uh, in college and, you know, I was struggling with what I wanted to do with my life is my early twenties and 
trying to, I just, there seemed to be a lot of things going on wrong that I was not, you know, I wasn't sure. And I knew, I knew God wanted to speak into it and I just wasn't ever um, slowing down enough to do it. And so I went on this run and I just said, I'm going to run from where I am now, which in San Jose is Willow Glen. And I'm going to run over to my parents' house, which is like way on the other side of San Jose. And I said, somewhere in between then, God, I'm going to ask for you to speak to me. And I just set out on this run and I just was determined uh, to cry out to God and to allow him to just whatever. And so the first half of the run, when I still had energy to run, because I wasn't a runner, by the way. <laughs> That's shocking. I didn't expect <laughs> and, You couldn't uh, tell that you're not a runner, I tell hey, you. This was in my 20s. I was much more svelte. Um, but as I'm going, I just, uh, I was, you know, literally kind of running and crying. And after a while, you know, the complaints sort of died down. I ran out of gas and started just walking, realized that my parents' house was way further than I thought. And called the Uber and prayed to the Lord. Well, there was no Uber back then, man. So I just walked like for miles and miles. And along there, um, I started, I started acknowledging that there was a trust Mm -hmm. with God and somewhere towards the end, um, after I had really felt like God entered in with me, gratitude came mm. and I realized I realized how often I shortcut my lament. Mm. And so I feel like w- when I say, I think this is a natural thing, but so often we're so rushed and we're so busy, we'll do the intro address, we'll do the complaint of suffering, and then we move yeah. on with our day. Yeah. And what I love about this is that staying in that moment, like forcing yourself to stay and get to the point where you're confessing trust, where you pray for yeah. deliverance, yeah. Um, where you express gratitude that God is in the midst of it with us. Those are like the three, those are the things yeah. that should eventually bring us out of lament. Right. Yeah. But so often we stay in those first two yeah. where we just complain and we move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And lament kind of forces you. And what I love what you're hearing you say is it, it, it the slowing down, you know, I think of when I work with my two girls, when they're in a heightened state, right. Of, of emotion where so much of it is they need to get that out of them. They need to express that. But part of the task as a parent is to sit with them in that moment, allow that to pass so that then when they kind of come down from the heightened emotion, they begin to realize, yeah, God, God is still good and I'll mm. be there and we'll work through this. Um, but unless you express that, you're stuck in that cycle, right? And unless you slow down enough to kind of sit with it, which I think is why when we rush again, going back to what we talked about at the top, when we rush to joy, um, when we are addicted to um, the positivity of life, which again isn't necessarily a bad thing, but when we're addicted to that and we only know how to operate from there, we never actually release mm. the suffering and allow us to name it and to give it away. Um, but you have to slow down to do that. And then eventually you get to that where you recognize, no, God is still good. I will come back and confess that trust move into that prayer of deliverance. Um, but it's, you know, that's the ebb and flow of, of crisis, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways. So we want to encourage you wherever you're listening from to align with this Lent season, allow yourself to align with it and bring those, those things to God. Use this, maybe use this framework. And if there's something that 
certainly there are things in our world that we're facing that are overwhelming. Maybe there's something in your life, um, in your relationships, whatever it might be. But I want to encourage you in these next, you know, what, 30 some days to align with, um, with this season of lament and bring this stuff and stay in it long enough, uh, beyond the suffering, um, acknowledge that there is a trust there. And if there's not, maybe that's what you need to start working on with God, get to the prayer of deliverance and the, and then eventually the gratitude that God, that God is in this with us. So hopefully this has been helpful for you, Kevin, thanks for helping us uh, go through this a little bit more. And, uh, if this has been helpful for you, drop us a line, let us know, and maybe we'll do more of it. Sounds good. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys later.